You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to me warning you that this is not going to sound very good today. I apologize. I truly have no idea what happened to the sound of my audio. I know typically when things go wrong with the audio, you tell me about it on Twitter. And I just want to say I'm very sorry. I truly have no idea what happened and how this occurred. So with all of that being said... Here's today's Lockdown Bucks. I hope you can get through it. If you can't, I don't blame you. I'm sorry, and I hope that it doesn't happen again. Let's give it a go. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Lynn, the Milwaukee Bucks reporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. And joining me, as always, is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. Frank, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, uh couple off days it feels like a long break but um you know leading up to the celtics bucks game on thursday um kind of a welcome kind of a welcome respite uh in the schedule in large part yes yes it is frank uh well you you selfishly so you can like catch your breath because of your travel now but um as bucks fans um i would say i'm i'm more i'm i'm more worried about Giannis Adetokounmpo's brain than um, sure. you know your your sleep patterns. Uh, not not that I'm. I mean, it's rude. I thought we were better friends than that, but that's yeah, okay. Not that I'm not also concerned about your sleep patterns, but um, <laughs> Giannis' brain is more important to me. And obviously, um, I don't know if we talked about it yesterday. I was I, I was very I was curious if he was going to be in the building just because, um, you know, a lot of times if you've had a concussion, like you have sensitivity to light, noise, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera, and being like in a you know, arena with loud music and crowds and, you know, bright lights and explosions and stuff, not always good. So the fact that he was, you know, fine to be there and smiling and wearing his, wearing his special salmon suit that, that Thon seemed to enjoy in, in the post game. Um, I thought that was a nice a positive. So again, I, we don't know, obviously at this point, I don't know if you've heard anything else today, but um, it doesn't seem like obviously that we have like a, you know, like a, uh, at this point, like any real, knowledge of, of whether he might play on Thursday, um, especially given that old prior flight, which isn't always good if you had a concussion to be flying. So um, I don't know, I guess, fingers crossed, he might be back Thursday, but by the same token, maybe maybe it's not until the weekend. It was actually kind of funny uh, because, you know, when Carlos Delfino had concussion problems, and I mean, like he had, I think, like two or three in a season, and it was kind of just like compounding on top of each other. Um, but during that time, like, you know, we heard the stories about like, he's got to sit in a dark room. He has to wear sunglasses all the time. He can't drive. Like, he can't do anything. Uh, and pregame on Monday, I, like, kind of phrased a question like that to bud during pregame uh and i don't i don't think there's any cameras pregame so no one saw it but uh 
so I, I go on this question like, Mike, you know, sometimes during sometimes when guys are kind of in these concussion protocols, like they have to, you know, stay away from light and sound. So I was curious, is, is Giannis going to be in the building tonight? And he's like, Oh, you know, I'm not really sure. I haven't been updated on that. If, if whether or not he'll be on the bench. And I was like, okay, well, like the reason I ask is because, you know, about a decade ago when Carlos Delfino was on the team, uh, he had some concussion problems and, you know, they had to have him in a dark room and he like cuts me off. He's like, who, what, what? And I was like, yeah, Carlos Delfino. He's like, oh, okay. And he had to do what? And I was like, he he had concussion problems. Like they had him sitting in like dark rooms. Like he couldn't like be exposed to light. And Bud's like, no, 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 no. Giannis isn't doing any of that. Like he, he, he is not, he, He's not in a dark room. He doesn't have sunglasses. Like, no, like that, that is, that is not a, a summation of kind of what's going on with Giannis at, the, at this point, which I mean, was, I mean, I think a good thing to hear that, you know, that there wasn't gonna be problems. And obviously uh, when you see him uh, kind of uh, on the bench and, and in that situation, those are all things that, you know, may be able to trigger uh, some of those other things, uh, some of those other symptoms that you have in it while you are in concussion protocol. So that was good to hear. Um, and then I, I think the other thing, and I have something coming out at the athletic Wisconsin here in the morning. Um, but over the years, I've kind of befriended Michael McRae, who's one of the leading concussion specialists in the country and one of the leading concussion researchers. And he's at the medical college of Wisconsin. Uh, he's been, doing work with the NFL for, I think, 12 to 15 years now, the Department of Defense for 10. And I mean, he just has millions and millions, I shouldn't say millions, but he has lots and lots of papers out on, uh, you know, the concussions and the, the traumatic events that cause them and uh, all sorts of that type of research. He helped kind of pioneer baseline tests and how all this stuff works. And uh, I got him on the phone and we kind of talked out, you know, some of the stuff that happened with Giannis's concussion. Cause I know when, when it originally happened, people were like, Oh, you know, like, how is it possible that, you know, he could pa- pass these tests and then all of a sudden he's in the concussion protocol and did they do the test right? And, you know, did he lie his way through these tests and all this stuff? And like, I just think there's a, a number of misconceptions about concussions and, uh, I talked to him for a while and I think what our, our conversation, I kind of transcribed it and it's going to end up being a Q and a over at the athletic Wisconsin day. But, you know, I think it kind of helps with some of the, the misconceptions that, that you have when, when you hear about Giannis saying, Oh, I blacked out or, you know, what that might mean or uh, him passing tests and going back into the game. And then later, having concussion symptoms and that, you know, about a third of athletes do not show signs immediately uh, during the game of play. And then the next day they have those symptoms kind of pop up. So um, I don't know. I, I just think it's kind of interesting. And I think you bring up a good point about the travel. Um, I would not be shocked to see him not travel to Boston and instead just wait for the weekend Uh because, you know, that would be, I mean, really almost a, a full, that would be a full week before uh, Saturday's game. So that might end up being a good decision for Giannis with the concussion. Obviously, you know, you don't want to see him miss games and uh, Bucks celtics could be quite the marquee matchup. But also, you know, it's going to be November 1st when they play. So you don't, you don't really need to, to have him out in Boston.
Yeah, I mean, I mean that that would be just kind of the, another you know heat check for for the Bucks and Mike Budenholzer, right? Like if they <laughs> if they rest Giannis um, against the Celtics, and you know Boston's obviously been um, been been having a weird kind of start to the season. They um, they took care of the uh, uh, who did they who did they be? I think the Pistons tonight. Um, Kyrie kind of finally got going a bit, um, but they've had just a really slow start to the season offensively. Um, and defensively, they've been awesome. They've been still the best team in the league. So, um, you know, I think that kind of underscores really what kind of what the Bucks I think, are trying to get to where, you know, again, uh, you hope that, you know, you don't have the offensive struggles the Celtics have had. But um, and the Celtics were a below average offensive team last year. It should be noted. Um, so it's not like, you know, oh, it's just a little like slump for the Celtics. I mean, who knows, right? For all their talent, um, Brad Stevens has not just been a guy, a coach who's actually been able to get sort of consistent offensive juggernaut type production out of his roster. So um, it, it's interesting, but, but, you know, again, I think with the way the Celtics have used that defense to really give them just like a high floor as a team, like even when they're not scoring effectively, they, their defense just gives them a chance pretty much every night. And obviously if you're the Bucks, I mean, yeah, you want to go out and score 125 every night and hold the other team to a much lower number and cruise to a wins. But you know, at some point again, like when when the bad shooting night happens, obviously the you know the upside of having that kind of defense that can consistently bring it would would be you know, a really positive thing that you can still um, win games. So we'll be interesting to see. I mean, a lot of the guys on that Celtics roster have had kind of these slow starts, but um, you know, again, I think uh, with Giannis, I mean, health is always the number one concern. And you know, a year ago we saw them in a different position with his knee kind of soreness. Um, trying to be conservative with him and giving him some rest basically every month, letting him take an off day uh, and got him through the season. Knock on wood, we haven't heard anything about that so far. Um, and uh, and obviously with a concussion, it's a very different type of, of injury. Um, but, you know, by the same token, like no chance and, you know, no, no reason to risk anything early. And obviously with this also, there's a much kind of stricter protocol. I was looking a little bit into like what the protocol actually is. And basically it's, kind of the the long story short is essentially it's sort of like kind of gateway you know kind of like you have to hit certain gates of like you know progressive athletic activity um leading up to uh, non-contact basketball and basically at every step you need to just essentially remain concussion free like free free of symptoms basically and if you have like a setback then you basically have to go back and you know kind of pass before you can go to the next thing um so it's it's a much more regimented and, and, you know, prescriptive sort of thing from the league versus, um, you know, a normal, like a turned ankle, which obviously the league, the league doesn't have any mandates for how, you know, team doctors do that. Now, ultimately, the team doctors are the ones who actually have the, like, I think the final discretion when a guy is cleared to, to actually progress out of the protocol. Um, but it is it is fairly structured. And again, there are kind of clear guidelines. And um, so, again, hopefully we will not be talking about concussion protocol for much longer. Um, but these things can obviously tend to be unpredictable. Yeah. In, uh, Dr. McCray dropped a line that he said, you know, old, there's an old saying that concussions are like snowflakes because no two are alike. So I think, you know, you, you do kind of have to judge each situation, uh, on its own and have to figure out exactly, you know, what's best for, uh, that athlete at that time. So, so they will kind of figure all of that out. Uh, some of the things that we're going to try to figure out today, uh, we, since it is Halloween, um, I've decided 
decided to go the cheesy route. Uh, we're going to play a little trick or treat, Frank, uh, as we attempt to figure out uh, the things that are happening with the Bucks early in the season that are tricks, and the things that are happening early on in the Bucks season that are treats. Um, I'm assuming we're just going to end up with everything being a treat because everything is going to be perfect and nothing will ever go wrong or change uh, in the final 75 games of the season. But I don't really know that. Uh, but something that is not a trick is vivid seats. You can use vivid seats to purchase tickets to any upcoming Bucks game, and you can use our offer to save $20 off orders of $200 or more is a new customer of Vivid Seats. You just have to go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app and enter promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, to receive $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. And, I mean, the beauty of it all is, you know, kind of just the idea that you get to check out the tickets you get to see uh, kind of where you'll be sitting you can go on the app and you know you'll have some idea of where the best seats are and what the really the great prices are and it's going to be an easy purchasing experience for you they make it very simple they kind of get everything all together uh, and you just have to go check out their app or their website and find the seats that you want to all of your favorite live events, including sports, obviously, but also concerts, theater, and more. So get on that and do that today. That is Vivid Seats promo code locked on L O C K E D O N to receive $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. So, Frank, this idea kind of came about by you talking about just kind of poking around on cleaning the glass and looking at some of the the different team numbers for the Bucks, And uh, we were thinking about doing it very generally, like, okay, you you have the, the offensive and the defensive numbers. Are they going to be what they are right now? And is this going to kind of be how it is? But I think the, the more interesting way to go about it is kind of looking at, you know, some of the, some of the, smaller details that make up those bigger things. Uh, so I guess I kind of want to start with, hmm, I think we'll start with the defense and the shot numbers there. Uh, last year, the Bucks were 30th in the frequency of shots that they gave up that were at the rim. 39.6% of the shots they gave up were at the rim. 39.6%. Crazy number. So 30 last year, 28th the year before, 30th the year before, 27th the year before, 27th the year before, 30th the year before, 27th the year before. So they've been giving up shots at the rim for, I mean, as long as probably a number of Bucks fans can remember. This year, that number has shrunk by 10% from 39.6% down to 29.6%. Is that a trick or a treat, Frank? Can the Bucks keep that number that low? Can they keep, uh, let's just say in the top three, in lowest percentage of shots at the rim by opponents? I think that one is, I think a very high ranking is is sustainable or at least possibly sustainable. Like I, it doesn't, it's not something I look at and say like, oh, that's impossible just because I think um, it's an area where the Bucks, like the way the Bucks are playing, I think just tends to to kind of lead that way. Um, so again, like the fact that the Bucks, uh, you know, are playing pretty big lineups that are going to tend to dissuade people from trying to attack the rim. I mean, you know, again, like Brooke Lopez dropping way back on, you know, these zone drop pick and rolls, um, against point guards. I mean, 
if you're a point guard, like, you know, every, yeah, everybody knows that, you know, mid-range shots aren't good. But again, like most of these guys, like that, that's shots they're, con- they're conditioned to take or, you know, closer floaters, things like that. Um, so I, I think, I think it's very likely that the Bucks can maintain like a really good um, kind of rim rate like that. Um, I think obviously it's crazy to see, you know, just the difference from year to year. Um, but I mean, keep in mind, like last year, the the scheme they ran, it's not just the fact that Lopez, I mean, part of it is that Lopez, like taking minutes from especially like Thon is going to like lead to like less kind of chaotic defense. Um, and especially like a defense where, you know, Brooks zone dropping. Um, but just in general, I mean, just the, the way the Bucks were always kind of out of position and scrambling, I think just, you know, the, the whack-a-mole game just consistently got them. And last year they actually ended up doing a really nice job of surprisingly of cutting down opponent three point attempts um, overall. Um, but that looks like it kind of came at the price of the fact that they just continue to hemorrhage shots at the rim. So I think there's a, that's an area where there's, there really is like a legitimate kind of big change. And, um, and I, again, I think that's something that the Bucks can, um, can really benefit from for, you know, the whole over course of a full year. I think they may give up a good number of three pointers um, and they haven't been great at limiting three point shots. Um, we'll talk about accuracy maybe here in a little bit, but um, I think that, you know, again, with all the mid rangers they give up, um, I think that preventing shots to the rim is something that they can continue to do well over the course of the year. So I, I'll say, um, I'll say that one is a, uh, is a treat. Um, and you know, worth noting as well, Bud's teams have traditionally been really good at that. Um, last year they were sixth in terms of frequency allowed at the rim, 33%. The year before that, second, 31%, 31.9%. So, um, that's a lot of, for a lot of these, I think I'm going to look at, you know, what are they doing differently? And then also like, what have Bud teams done historically? And that's an area where the Bud teams have done well. I just want to thank you for properly uh, buying into the bit and saying treat there. I think you were thinking about saying true or false for a second, and I just want to uh, I want to let you know, Frank, that I appreciate you for saying treat. Um, I think it's a treat as well. And the I, I was talking about this a little bit today on the 105.7 The Fan, and I just think, you know, everyone's after the same thing. Like, yeah, I don't think there's any sort of knowledge gap left in the NBA. Um, I think everyone knows that, hey, dunks are good. Um, also good are corner threes. And I think there may be some coaches that believe in those things a little bit less that, uh, you know, maybe aren't as disciplined and uh, – militant in hunting out those looks as the Bucks may be and forcing those looks as the Bucks may be. Um, so I do think it comes down to defensively, you know, if you want to keep this healthy shot profile, um, which, I mean, when you look at what the Bucks have, it's pretty healthy. Um, the, the second fewest attempts at the rim uh, are the second – lowest percentage of attempts at the rim and then the fifth lowest percentage of corner threes like i mean that's significant and you look at uh, the mid-rangers uh the fourth highest frequency of mid-rangers comes against the bucks like i think when you look at the way that this bucks team defends i I just think they they have the length the talent and the personnel to continue to force those things and uh, I, it just kind of stood out to me last night when 
I forgot who Chris Middleton was covering at the time, um, but Middleton, it was Danny Green. And he, you could tell he knew Danny Green was about to come off a handoff, and he kind of just got on the back hip and decided that, okay, no matter what, I'm going to chase this, but I'm going to do kind of, if I need to, I'm going to do one of those uh, contests over the top of your head where you're not going to be able to shoot that three, and I'm going to force you into the mid-range. And I, I just think back to all the times, you know, we've we've talked about, you know, Chris Middleton, okay, is your shooting guard a small forward? Let's say your shooting guard, he's not quick enough to guard shooting guards. Like he, He's, he's going to get uh, kind of, He's going to get beat off the dribble. Guys are going to shake him. Like He's not going to be able to handle it. And now I think to some extent, some of those things kind of go away when you are so actively – you're, you are so actively forcing teams to take the shots that you want them to take. And like, it's hard to get beat off the dribble when you've already conceded that you're going to get beat off the dribble and, and not in a way where uh, Jason Kidd would have them sprint all over the place and your closeouts were out of control. Like these are controlled closeouts. You're going to get beat off the dribble, but you're going to get beat off the dribble in the exact spot that you want to get beat off the dribble and the exact spot where your help is going to come. And also you're not really going to get beat off the dribble. You're just going to kind of be trailing slightly behind and you're going to have a hand, uh, you know, maybe not a hand on the hip because that might control the you know freedom of movement stuff, but there's really enough pressure there that they know, okay, I have to go here. And it, it just seems like to me that all these guys have bought in and the Bucks have found a way to continue forcing those looks. And I mean, that just seems like a, a huge win that, you know, they're going to, find a way to, to be able to go out and do that every night. And so often we kind of talk about uh, the thing you can control is how many attempts teams take in certain places, not necessarily the percentage that they shoot them at. And I, I think the Bucks can control, uh, you know, how often teams are taking those. So let's flip over to the other side. Currently, the Bucks, uh Against them, teams are shooting 30.1% from three. We've seen some pretty atrocious atrocious shooting nights. Wow, that was difficult. Uh, from a couple different teams. And, you know, the Raptors had a really bad one last night, nine for 45, uh, which has kind of helped propel, propel the Bucks up into second there, uh, just allowing teams to shoot 30.1%. Is that a trick or a treat? Will teams continue to shoot a low percentage from three against the Milwaukee Bucks? I'll say this one is a trick. Um, you know, we talked about the other day how the Celtics have been kind of the exception of the rule in terms of being able to year in and year out limit opponents to very low three-point shooting percentages. Um, you know, 30%, the number there are right now, I think is a clear outlier, you know, small sample type thing. Yep. And, and again, like pretty much most any stat you look at at this point just because we're at such a small sample of the season um the best teams and the worst teams are probably going to be you know outside the bounds of what they'll be at the end of the year right like you'll you'd expect kind of the the um the extremes to to kind of get pulled in regress to the mean over the course of a season so anytime you know you look at a team that's first in anything or 30th in anything Odds are, you know, there'll be some regression. It doesn't mean that they're not going to remain one of the best teams in that category, um, but they're probably not going to be it at that rate. And, you know, looking at um, the three-point numbers in particular, um, you know, they're basically at 30% corner three, 30% overall. 
Um, you know, what is the lead average, like 35, 36%. I, I'd be curious to know what it ends up this year. I'm, I'm curious if the percentage, if it's going to hold, like continue to hold steady or the fact that teams are shooting so many more and from further and further out, like does that number, does the number actually go down um, or does it kind of stay steady or even go up as, as obviously it becomes more and more important to the game? I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is to that, but, um, but I think, yeah, I mean, teams are not going to continue to shoot 30%. I think the question though is can the Bucks maintain some kind of relative advantage, which again, like historically tends to be kind of luck based. Um, but one thing that you, you know, is important for the percentage number, you know, we always talk about the corner three being the easiest of the three point shots. Um, the Bucks this year, where they have been very good is in limiting corner threes in particular. Number one up actually fair bit in that last game because the Raptors had a bunch of corner threes, but the Bucks are fifth in terms of allowing the fewest corner three percentage frequency at 5.2%. Last year was 7%. The year before that, 9.9%, <laughs> which was the worst in the league. Um, but they are actually only 27th in terms of above the break three-point frequency at 28.4%. That's actually 5.5% higher than last year. And the Bucks were actually 7th in terms of limiting um, above the break threes each of the last two years. So actually they were like pretty decent at that. And last year overall, the Bucks allowed, they were actually ninth in terms of allowing the fewest um, total threes in terms of frequency. So actually the Bucks, as I mentioned, the, we actually got pretty good at that last year, but it was really the rim stuff <laughs> and the fact that they still fouled all the time. I mean, that, that was the stuff that yeah. really killed them. Um, but I think the mere fact that like, if you can take away the corner three, so as long as your opponent threes tend to be skewed more towards above the break threes, that'll help because those are harder threes to make. It's not obviously like, you know, a 10 point percentage difference necessarily, but, um, but that, that certainly can help. So um, I think there's maybe a little bit of treat in there, but I'd say overall um, probably a little bit more trick, but again, it's, it's all kind of relative. Like, can they maintain an elite level? Like, certainly possible um but do i trust it as much as kind of some of these other things that feel more controllable no so i'll I'll say trick all right let's move to uh, i think we're gonna do one offensively and obviously we could kind of go with uh are they gonna remain second in three-point attempt rate yeah i I think we we both kind of believe that that's something that that they're gonna do and you know do we think that they can shoot it at a high percentage i think we both probably do think that they can shoot it at a pretty, pretty high percentage. Um, so one thing I wanted to go with here is uh, taking a look at the Bucks in the half court. Uh, currently, they are third in points per play in the half court. Uh, last year, they were seventh in that measure. Um, so obviously, just really doing a great job in the half court, really finding a way to score. Um I'm I'm curious. Do you think that's something that they can keep up? Like, do you think at some point, I should say, is there something to figure out that you can stop the Bucks uh, offensively in the half court? Because you know we've we've talked about how it's going to be really difficult if you find a way to spread out the floor around Giannis. So you you know it's going to be tough to defend. Like, is there is there an answer? in there some way is is there a way to run them off the three-point line is there um is there a larger answer uh because at this point you know the offense has been incredible and they've really found uh, a lot of success but 
you know, like this is, it's, it's a smart league. There's a lot of smart coaches here. Um, do you think teams can find a way to make them less effective in the half court? Like I said, currently third in half court points per play. So half court efficiency. Um, do you, do you find this to be a trick or a treat, Frank? I think there will probably be, there's a good chance there'll be some backsliding. I mean, I really, the question is like, well, why have they been so good in the half court? And I mean, probably the easiest thing to look at is obviously like the three point shooting and the fact that they're shooting, you know, over 40 threes a game and they're hitting over 38% of those threes per game. So, um, you know, the fact that they're like near the top of the league in terms of attempts and then, um, you know, I think they're sixth in terms of three point percentage. Um, I, I mean, I think you kind of, if you try to deconstruct it a little bit, I mean, Middleton at 55% is clearly shooting, you know, ab- above his weight class. Um, I think other than that, I mean, you look at kind of up and down the roster, there's nobody else who's really shooting a lot of threes that actually I would say, um, oh, that guy can't keep that, keep it up, right? I mean, Brogdon's at 42%. I mean, he's made over 40% before. Um, he wasn't that far off that last year. Bledsoe's only at 34.4%. I mean, that that's below where, where he was even a year ago. Um, Lopez, 39%. That's higher than he's been. But again, like, can Brook Lopez, like, hit that? I think he can. Ursan is always at like 36 and change percent. He's right there. Um, Devin Chen's is only at 30%. Tony Snell, 39.1%. Henson's at 38.5. But again, that's a, not a large portion of your total. And Pat Connaughton's at 35.7. That's pretty much where he was a year ago as well. And Fawn on limited volumes at 43%, which again, like, you know, maybe that doesn't keep up, but he also hasn't played very much. So, you know, overall, you kind of look at the three-point shooting, um, you know, I would say Middleton is the obvious mean regression candidate, but I mean, Giannis hasn't made like anything so far, right? Like he's, he's like one out of 16 this year. So Giannis, I think will start to make some threes. Chris will miss a few more. Um, but I don't know if the three point percentage numbers actually are, are going to like, again, it's not like you've got like a bunch of guys shooting 45% or something like that. So um, it's not like the magic a year ago where the magic were shooting some outrageous percentage when they had that hot start and it was like bound to mean regress. So um, I think there's actually a lot of, um, a lot of sustainability in the Bucks being a, a good half court team. Um, I think, you know, again, especially with the way they can spread teams out, like that's going to make Giannis a more effective half court player. It's going to make Bledsoe a more effective half court player. Um, I think the, the biggest question is just, you know, do teams like the more they see the Bucks, do they figure something out about how to stop them a little bit better? Um, but I don't know. I mean, like Giannis, like you, is there a way to stop like Giannis with a spread floor? Like, I, I just don't think, I think there's certain key parts of this offense that you're just not going to be able to solve. And again, like I don't think the three point numbers are going to go in the tank. So I think they're going to maintain kind of, you know, again, like pretty elite level offense, you know, are they going to be second in the league rather than fifth? Well, you know, I might bet a little bit on the under there over time, but I mean, I think they're going to be good, really good. So I don't know. What, what's your? What would you would you say you're more bullish than that? Because I feel like you might be more bullish than than I am in that regard. Yeah, I think kind of just trying to think through possibilities makes it really difficult because you know I do kind of like to. I don't even know what it would be like. Start to think about like how you stop things, or you know when you see something, what's the counter? Like that's kind of how my brain works when I'm watching basketball, and it's just like okay, 
So the one thing you might try is that the Bucks tend to get up in the air quite a bit when they throw those passes. Um, and I mean, you can imagine Bledsoe doing it. You can imagine Giannis doing it. And it's like, okay, so you recover really quickly out to that shooter, which is fine. But if you're recovering really quickly to that like kind of diagonal skip pass, well, you've just opened up the floor even more for, for Giannis, or you've opened the floor up for someone who's smart enough to make a cut into that open area. So it's like, okay, well, maybe that won't work. And then it's like, okay, uh, don't let Giannis get started. Uh, so, you know, show him bodies earlier in a possession. And then it's like, well, the Bucks aren't really scared to shoot threes early in the possession. So by doing that, you'd just be, opening up and, uh, you know, a wide open three. And then it's like, well, um, I, I guess leave Giannis in one-on-one and don't let his shooters beat you. I mean, you're going to give up twos instead of threes, but could Giannis go for 50? Yeah, I think so. Um, if you're not, not going to show him any help, like, yeah, I think he'd go for 50 pretty easy. So then it's like... Uh, flop on everything Giannis does um, to get, try to get offensive fouls on him. Uh, there, there just, to me, doesn't really seem to be uh, really a lot of good answers to the problems that the Bucks are presenting. And, I mean, obviously this is something that we've kind of been hoping for for years and years watching this Bucks team that, you know, someone would figure out how to spread out a floor around them. And I think they have done that. And, uh, like you said, you know, you think about the threes and, you know, who could shoot these better or worse or, or something like that. And I just think you you look up and down the roster and I don't see a ton of candidates for uh, regression that's really going to, you know, kind of stall out this team. I mean, I think, like, the only thing I can sort of think of is, you know, does... I mean, I, I, like, I don't even feel that, you know, you think about Brooke Lopez, like, he's not even shooting that great of a percentage, but, like, it's pretty good. He's shooting 39%. Like, if he goes on, like, a like a, like a, a full-on slump, does that kind of crater things? But I just don't, I don't even see it, and I don't see him stopping shooting, so that space is still going to be there. So, yeah, I mean, I think this is, this is kind of a treat, like, I, I struggle to figure out how you slow this offense down. Um, I, I know there was the other night, the, I think it was the Magic, they had only shot 12 threes uh, in the first half and looked a little bit frustrated offensively. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, maybe maybe the Magic can figure something out. And then the Bucks just bombed away from three in the second half and just blew them out. And I was like, okay, they didn't figure anything out. Like it was just the Bucks kind of not having a real flow. So yeah, I'm pretty bullish on this. I'm going to say it's a treat. I generally just don't know how you attempt to slow down this offense, which is, um, I mean, I think something Bucks fans would surely want to hear. So uh, yeah. I, and, one, 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 and one thing I'd add there, the Bucks have got, got a lot worse this year in terms of their turnover percentage so far. So they're yep. 27th in turnover percentage on offense. They were 11th last year. Um, that has, though, has also always been kind of a staple of Bud teams in Atlanta. Like, they were never above average in terms of ball protection. Um, so, you know, maybe that kind of ball movement type um, type offense is just like a natural um, kind of outcome of that. That said, like, Giannis is the biggest kind of, you know, problem in that regard. Like, he's just been a turnover machine early in the season. And I, I don't. I mean, I don't think like there's anything fundamentally about what the Bucks are doing that 
means Giannis has to have five turnovers a game, right? He had three yeah. a year ago. So hopefully that, I mean, if Giannis just gets back to where he was, I mean, that's two fewer turnovers per game, which is a pretty big chunk of, of your total number. So hopefully that turnover percentage number can come down, give away fewer, you know, fewer possessions. Uh, also, you know, that turnovers hurt your defense as well. So um, they've been better offensively rebounding the ball than I think you would expect. And that bud teams have been historically. So maybe there's a little bit of a washout there, or maybe they regress a little bit in terms of offensive rebounding. They're 14th right now. Um, they're 27th last year. Bud's teams have historically been bad. They don't really prioritize offensive rebounding. Um, but then again, maybe part of it is just the fact that like, I mean, the Bucks have tended to go big uh, or bigger than they typically have. Um, and I don't know, maybe it's also, you know, uh, Giannis missing shots and then getting his own rebound and dunking it, um, spending too much time with Ursan, I guess, uh, in those uh, tapa tapa putbacks. But um, <laughs> yeah, so, so that's it. I, the only other thing I'd say offensively, like their free throw rate has gone down a lot so far. They were fifth last year. They're 20th so far. We've talked about Giannis's tough whistle. Um, I really do hope that reverses itself. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and you know, Bucks teams have always gotten to the rim a lot. Um, this year that's down a little bit, which is like shocking, at least in terms of the ranking. Um, but they've been terrific finish 69% finishing at the rim this year up from a little under 65% last year. I actually think, I mean, I would expect that number to go up just because of the spacing and, you know, just the fact that teams are so spread out. So I don't, that that's an interesting number. Like, I mean, as a team to finish close to 70% at the rim would be probably pretty crazy. Um, but can they be one of the league's elite teams? I have to think they will be just because, you know, you've got Giannis and Bledsoe, who are both elite guys at not only creating but finishing shots relative to their position at the rim. Um, and, you know, I mean, look, every freaking game, like DiVincenzo and Connaughton and various guys like seem to get open for just wide open layups just because of the way the books floor out space out the floor. So hopefully that keeps up, but that's also been obviously a really good number so far. Yeah. It'll be interesting to watch. Um, I know Frank and I want to keep it short today. Uh, I think one thing we're going to talk a little bit about tomorrow, and this is something that um, I know I mentioned the other night was just kind of the idea that uh, the Bucks are seven or no, and you know, the, they, they're not, they're not leading the show like the jump. Like they're not leading sports center. Um, they're not doing any of those things. Um, and I've had a bunch of people in mentions like, Hey, why don't people want to talk about the bucks? Like, why is this undefeated team, the last undefeated team, not getting any attention? And I have some thoughts on that, but we can talk about that tomorrow. Uh, and we can talk about all sorts of other things. Maybe we'll have some Giannis news and we'll see about all of that. So for Frank Mann, I'm Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We'll talk to you tomorrow.